0: I haven't met you yet. My name is Craig Jarvis. I'm the lead pastor at Village Church East. Uh, so I do go to church. Uh, it's just I don't go to this one very often. Uh, can you hear me all right? Should I talk into the microphone? We talking to the mic? Yeah, you're good. You're good. You're good. <clears throat> I've never been known to be soft. <clears throat> See if you like this poem. I won't grow up. I don't want to go to school just learn and be a parrot and recite a silly rule. If growing up means it would be beneath my dignity to climb a tree, I'll never grow up, never grow up, never grow up, not me. I won't grow up, I don't want to wear a tie and a serious expression in the middle of July. And if it means I must prepare to shoulder burdens with a worried air, I'll never give up, never give up, never or Never grow up, never grow up, never grow up, not me. Never going to be a man, I won't like to see somebody try and make me. Anyone who wants to try and make me turn into a man, catch me if you can. Where's that from? (laughs) Not green eggs and ham. Uh, 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 I I, I stand among a well-read crowd. That's from uh, Peter Pan. That is a, a, a limerick from Peter Pan. How many of you think that is a healthy way to grow up in life? How many of you would say that is a mature... Let me put it this way. How many of you would like for your sons to grow up that way? (laughs) Yeah. If this attitude uh, is somebody... uh, If this is is what carries them through life, then they're in for a rude awakening. When their world comes crashing down, they're not going to know how to handle it. Uh, They always want to be young and never grow up. I was not like that. When I was 16, my 16th birthday... I got on the bus without my parents knowing, and I got a bus right down to the DMV, and I was first in line uh, so I could get my driver's license. That was not me. Let me make this a little more personal. Can I live as a Christian without growing in my spiritual life? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Can I live as a Christian without growing in my spiritual life? If there's any room in there for a yes then maturity will always escape us and we will always be left in what I call the question stage. Here's the question stage. Why would God ever let this happen? Am I really a believer? What's wrong with other religions? Is Jesus Christ the only way to heaven? If my spiritual life doesn't mature, if I'm not growing closer to the Lord and and understanding him more in his word and building a relationship through prayer and service to him, that I'm always going to get stuck in the question stage. That is like the immature stage for every person who comes to know the Lord. Faith is the opposite of the question stage. Faith is taking God at his word. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because to even begin the process of having a relationship with God, we must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So as I accept Christ as my Savior, my process of maturity, of maturing as a person, as a child of God, must necessarily continue or I'll never be able to handle the situations that life brings to me. And I certainly will not be a fortified member of the Church of Christ. I submit this to you. There are far too many converts to Jesus Christ who look a lot like Peter Pan. When I grow as a Christian, part of my, oh, I'm supposed to be clicking this, aren't I? I'm so used to somebody else doing it for me. Uh, Oh, see, that's a good slide. When I grow as a Christian, are you going to click it for me, Alex? You are the man, man, we're surrounded by all these good servants. All right. This is natural. When I grow as a Christian, my life is engaged by Jesus Christ. I can't grow as a Christian until my life is engaged by Jesus Christ. There's no pull on me. There's no desire for him in my fallenness. I reject him. I run from him. I hide from him. It started in Genesis 3, and it always continues. That's what every one of us, it's in our DNA. We don't like God when we see him for who he is. No one seeks God. Not not one person. When you see him for who he is. But when we're engaged by Christ, that pull on our heart, we respond to. and Jesus expects a certain part of my life to grow because of his redemption. He doesn't drop the ball, I do. So when I'm growing as a believer, I'm meant to look more and more like Jesus Christ, to image Christ better, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control. It's a package deal, it's not fruit's... Of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. They're all one, it's a packaged deal. And I'm supposed to, as I grow in Christ, look more like Jesus Christ. But I don't want to talk about this one. I want to talk about the next point. I grow as a Christian when I engage the lives of others with Jesus Christ. This is a necessary part of my growth as a believer in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, if you're here and you're like Michael that went to that, that meeting and, and uh, you didn't know, he didn't know Jesus and he was just at the meeting and he you know, didn't really get what, he was, what, he, what was going on. And, and you might be here, you might be invited and I'm not presuming anything upon you. All I'm saying is that if you've never had the engagement that you need to have with Jesus Christ, Christ is pulling at you and my guess is that's happening even tonight or you wouldn't be here. But once you come to know the Lord, once you give your life to Christ and Michael's testimony was awesome for that, then a part of our natural process of growing as a Christian is to engage the lives of others with this Jesus Christ. Now we have a job description. You wouldn't take a job if you didn't get a job description, right? Well, you might, but if you're desperate enough. And then they give you the job description, you go, you got to be kidding me, right? So, we have a job description as believers. Do you know what our job description is? Yeah, there's a few of them, but here's a good one. Matthew 28:18. Jesus came and said to them, this is after Jesus Lived a perfect life, died a sinless death, buried in the tomb, rose after three days, appeared to the disciples 50 days, and ascended into heaven. This is right before he ascends into heaven. He meets with his disciples and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Love that phrase. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let's deal with just the first one. Go is assumed. Go is not the command here in scripture. Go is assumed. When we hear the word go, we have a tendency to think, okay, go to the mission field. I want to challenge you here. This is the meat of what we're talking about. Go doesn't necessarily mean the mission field, although that's a good thing. It does mean the mission field, but the mission field might be a little more vast than we give it credit for. Jesus doesn't say, look around, the fields are white in harvest in Zimbabwe. He says, look around, the fields are white to harvest right under your own feet. In John 4.35, he said, do not say, there are four months and then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest now. Jesus is saying in this verse that there's no time to spare. Look at this, don't say there's four months, I got time. Look, the field is white to harvest. Don't let it rot out there. It's time to go collect. It's also interesting that he says, I tell you, what's underlined there? What is the process we need to go through? I always talk to Village Church East, so I'm assuming you guys like this too. All right, what's, what's underlined there? You can say it. Lift up your eyes. That's the opposite of navel gazing. Lift up your eyes assumes that where are you looking? <laughs> you spiritual people, I'm looking at Jesus. No, <laughs> that's not what it's assuming. What it's assuming is that you're looking down, you're looking at yourself, you're interested in your own life, in your own troubles, and your own trials. It's assuming that you, your head is down and you're so in, in, indoctrinated and in, in, uh, deluged by the affairs of this world that you don't take the time to even lift your head up and look around. Because if you did, you would see... There, there are a fe- there's a field out there and it's ready to be harvested now. In Zimbabwe, yes. In Canada, yes. And right here in Bartlett. <laughs> Lift up your eyes means stop looking at yourself. There are many who have heard. There's many who have begun to know. There's many who have yet to understand and it's time for the church to open their eyes. Time for us to open our eyes. Go means intentionally looking for people that I can help in their spiritual journey. Let me say that one more time because it's really good. Go means intentionally looking for people that I can help in their spiritual journey. So, who should you be looking at to help in their spiritual journey? That's a good question. I have circles. I call them circles. We all have circles. You have circles of friends. I have circles of friends. You can see the circles. On the board, God creates these circles of relationships all around So this is Craig's circle, we'll say that. And then there's other circles. There's a circle here that might be Michael's circle. And then another circle. And that's, uh, I don't know, Steve's circle. And then there's other circles and they interact. We know some of the same people and we know some of the other same people. And this, is, this makes up the whole world. All of us have circles. And inside those circles are relationships that God builds for us and gives to us on a silver platter. They are not by mistake. God never wakes up and says, Hey, Craig and Michael are friends. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Everything in the circle, all those people in the circle, are there because God has them in your circle for a reason. The gospel is always portrayed as a moving force. Did you know that? <clears throat> Think about the armor. Which part of the armor is the gospel? Oh, come on. Which part of the armor? Oh, thank you. Whoever said feet, bronze star, all right? Yeah, your feet shot. You got the breastplate of righteousness, sword of the spirit, helmet of salvation, shield of faith. But the feet, the feet are the ones that have the gospel. Why in the world would Paul say gospel goes on the feet? Why doesn't gospel go on the breastplate or the helmet? Why would feet be gospel? Because gospel always moves. Blessed, how blessed are the feet of those who what? who bring good news. The gospel is always portrayed as moving, always portrayed as going. Even here at Village, it is portrayed in the very first word of what we do. What is our motto here at Village? Go. <laughs> we don't like it very much. but it's. <laughs> Go is assumed. God assumes it. Jesus assumes it. We assume it. You are going to go. You can't leave this room without going, putting your feet on the ground and moving, or you know other ways of moving. But you're going. And in Scripture, in in uh, Matthew, where Jesus gives our job description, going is assumed. When Jesus changes you, he gives you a job as you go. In fact, the use of "go" in the text is a is a is a um, a word that literally means. As you are living your life, as you are going along in the journey, go is not the command. you know what the command is? Make disciples. You're going to go. You must make disciples. Making disciples is an intentional activity. Consider this. For my personal faith to grow, think of how many times I must necessarily include others. Let me say that one more time for my faith to grow how much do i necessarily have to include others a whole lot how can i forgive as christ forgives me if i don't have somebody to forgive how can i serve and learn to be a servant like jesus is a servant unless i don't unless i have somebody to serve how you know my life as a christian how can i how can i encourage somebody else if nobody's around to encourage All of these things in scripture, and as I do that, I become more of an image of Christ. That's point number one. Point number two is, as you're going in life, make disciples. This is a part of our intentional steps of growth. And my spiritual growth, therefore, does not begin and end with me. I cannot grow closer to God if I do not include others part of our development as followers of Jesus Christ means looking for others to help them grow. Also notice one more thing before we move on. Our primary goal as believers is not to get people saved. Did you know that? Jesus did not say, "Go get people saved and go to church, enjoy your potlucks and your fe- fellowships together. Go and make disciples. <clears throat> our primary goal is to make these Matthetes, these disciples, these converts that are more than just people who give their lives to Jesus. The word disciple in scripture, a good word for that might be apprentice. I know this is gonna rock our world. When when Jesus calls us to make disciples, he's calling us to find somebody that we can pour into that would be like an apprentice. Now you might think to yourself, well, I don't know enough to to have somebody to be an apprentice to me, oh, oh, goodness, goodness, I beg to differ. If you know Christ as your Savior, you know a lot. You have the benefit of the Holy Spirit speaking to you truth, reminding you of truth, pointing you to truth on a regular basis. That's why the Holy Spirit is here. A disciple attached himself in Jesus' day to a teacher. He identified with him, he learned from him, and he even sometimes lived with him. This is what Jesus' disciples did. That's why it's called disciples. And so Jesus uses a term that they fully understand. These are his disciples. And he said, okay, here's the deal. Go. You're going to go anyway. Put your shoes on. Go. While you're going in your circles, make disciples. You know what you do, John? Yeah, I'm a disciple of yours, Jesus. Go, go find somebody to do that again. Uh, okay, Peter, you know how to do this? Yeah, I screwed up, but I, I'm glad I'm still a disciple. Yeah. Now go do that. Find somebody and do that with them. Okay, Andrew, you know what you do? Andrew was great at this, wasn't he? Andrew, you're good. You just keep doing what you're doing. Make disciples. Find somebody in your circle and begin to be a friend to them. Listen to them. Help them. Guide them. You already have circles where you do this. And this is constant through scripture. I don't have time to, to go through all of them, but here's a couple. You have circles of family. Ephesians 6:4 Fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the what is it discipline and instruction of the Lord that's your job that's your circle teach them about Jesus you're going to your family tonight teach them about Jesus that's what you do go make disciples in your family circle older people with younger people you'll hear more about this to come Titus 2:3 says older women are like, uh, should be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. <laughs> Some wine's okay, not much though. They are to teach uh, what is good, so to train who? Who are the older women to train? Younger. younger women to love their husbands and children. Isn't that great? Don't teach younger women about Jesus. Does that not shock you? Older women teach the younger women how to be good wives and good moms. That's a, that's a circle. Circles of reliable people. There's some people in your life who are reliable, willing to learn. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2, and what, I've heard, what you've heard from me, Paul writes to Timothy, this young pastor, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witness and trust to faithful men, find some faithful men, invest in them, disciple them, and then they will be able to disciple others also. You ever see that shampoo commercial? And so on, and so on, and so on. In your circle, you even have people that don't know Jesus. And you're supposed to disciple them too. Do you know that? Jesus said it himself in John 17, 18. Jesus, in the high priestly prayer to the God the Father, praised this, as you sent me, Lord, Jesus, uh, Lord God, into the world, so I send them, that's us, into the world. You have been sent. You have your walking shoes on. They have been covered with the gospel of peace and we are meant to go. And as we go into our circles, we are meant to disciple. Who would ever light a light and then cover it under a basket? That's unfamiliar. Did, did Michael preach that here? We did, we did that at our church, and I know you talk about different things, so. <laughs> so I have a plan. I have a plan for you. If you' are interested in this, we are launching this at Village Church East. Uh, this actually was birthed at our uh, central leadership train, uh, 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 CLT team central leadership team uh, retreat last year we sat down and talked about this plan and i put a lot of time into it and i am ready to let this fly at village church east and so i want to share it with you tonight if you like it you can steal it here it is it has to start with us having desire to personally grow by helping others grow so first thing you got to do is sit down and figure out who's in your circle there's somebody in your circle that you know better than others. There's somebody who means more to you for one reason or another. Somebody you're burdened about more than, more than others for one reason or another. There's all kinds of people in your circle, but there's only one, two, maybe three people that if I were to say, who's your one? Who's the one person that God has given you on a silver platter and said, I need you to invest in this guy, this gal? Guy, this guy. Who would that be? I was going to have you maybe list off three people who are in your circle, but you're probably thinking about them right now. You would be able to, for these people to say, um, this is why they, f- they feel closer to me than the other people in my circle. This is how they spend their free time. I know more about them. This, this is their passion. This is their desire. And I have a pull toward this person in my circle. In my big circle of friends and family and network, I have a big pull toward this person. I'm not sure why. I want to maybe reveal to you why that is. Perhaps... The Lord has given this person into your circle so that you can invest in them by making disciples with them. Start with them. And so we're calling this Who's Your One? The agenda of Who's Your One is basically you get together with one person, once, twice a month, maybe, maybe three times a month, whatever, whatever they can afford. Uh, you get together and you sit down and you have coffee. The agenda is that there's no agenda. You get together with them and you listen to them and you talk to them and you listen to them and you listen to them. We live in a world where relationships are crumbling in front of computer screens. People are more interested in what they read on the internet than investing in the people they work and live with. I believe this is a great opportunity for the church to rise up and show that there is a better way. We are created to have relationships, not to have online friends. This is a great way to do it. You may think to yourself, well, Craig, no agenda. Shouldn't we work through a book? Nope. Nope, don't do that. Just get together, have coffee with them, 20 minutes, half an hour, longer if you want, doesn't matter. You're not there to disciple. If they wanted a counselor, they'd hire somebody. You're not there to be a counselor. You are there to be their friend when you call them and you say listen uh, i feel like you know the lord's put you on my heart we're we're friends you want to go and have coffee Uh, you'll probably rock their world they'll probably think oh what are you going to talk to me about no no agenda there's no agenda just gonna get together and then go and listen and then do it again and then do it again And the more you do it, you know what's going to happen? The more you do it, the more they're going to see in you a friend that they probably need more than anything in life right now. And they're going to begin to becoming more and more transparent with you. And they're going to begin sharing things with you that you never thought they'd begin to share. And you're going to be able to start speaking truth into their lives as the Lord puts it on your heart. But all it takes is just calling them on the phone, setting some time aside, and getting your eyes out of your belly button and looking up. Because the fields are white now. People are dying by the the bucketfuls. You Can't even go to a concert without a bulletproof vest. The fields are white now. Here's some cautionary tales. This is not a teaching time. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So find somebody that you want to pour into you just want to you just want to be a friend to and be a friend if they ask you for advice don't hold back give them advice if they ask you what you would do tell them what you would do but don't go as a pastor <laughs> go go as a friend first we're not looking for birds of a feather in other words don't look for somebody that looks a lot like you <laughs> don't look for somebody they have a lot in common with now it might be somebody like that but chances are there's somebody in your circle who's, who's in really in need of a friend and they may not click with you that well. So don't try and stay away from the fact that this is not a chance to hang with, with a buddy of yours that you can just get to be better buddies with. This is a chance to pour into the life of somebody in your circle that God has put on your heart. This is also not specific about participants. Can this be believers or non-believers? Yes. It can be either. There might be a believer that's going through some really tough times. They've never exited the question stage. They've never grown up. They're stuck in Peter Panville. So you might have to spend some time with them and invest in them. It could be a non-believer. Somebody that's never heard the truth and just needs a friend. Jesus is interesting. His life, when he chose disciples, nobody was out of range of Jesus' care. Zacchaeus, uh, when he called the disciples, when they were they were doing Non Jewish people, Jewish people, even the Romans. Jesus had friends from all different parts of life. And he had friendships that we don't even know about, that we kind of find out about in scripture. Um, the man who gave him the upper room so he could have the Last Supper up there. Know anything about him? I don't. How about the guy that, that uh, his disciples went and said, The Lord needs your donkey? Right? Who was he? I have no idea. Guy with a donkey. Jesus invested in relationships we don't even know about. And I think he did that <clears throat> because it, was, it helped us understand that his investments in people weren't just everything we read about the disciples. He was interested in all kinds of different people. And I would suggest not more than one to two at a time. What that means is go with just one person, and then if the Lord lays somebody else on your heart, go with just that person. Don't join them together. It's not a small group study. This is a chance to pour into the life of one person and tell them that they're important to you by doing so. Well, Craig, what do we do when we get together? What what should I do? What are you going to promote as topics of conversation if we do a who's the one? If I call this person, start meeting with him for coffee or tea or whatever, what should we do? Here's some suggestions. Learn to value their experiences. Um, Ask them how things are going. Appreciate their lives. Cast a vision for their future. Tell them that they're all that in a slice of bread and God's got a great plan for them. Tap into their passion. Learn to love what they love. Address their character flaws. Don't, don't, be, uh, don't be negative, but don't be blind. Uh, they're treating their wife poorly and they come every day to you and say, my wife doesn't like me anymore. You might need to say, well, pff, you should start treating her better. So you might need to address their character flaws. Focus on their strengths. Give them resources. They might need uh, a book to read or, or a passage in the Bible to go over. Don't be scared of that, but don't come as, with that as an agenda. Come to be their friends first. Offer them experiences. Bring them to something like this. Offer them ways that they can grow. Michael wouldn't be here if somebody didn't do that for him. Right, Michael? Yeah. Encourage self-growth. You're, you're doing fine. Encourage them to, to keep on growing. That's what I would encourage everybody in here. If we did that, if we had one person that we are meeting with for, for the next couple of months, just you and them, once, twice a month, just meeting with them and having coffee with them, we might be able to double in size in here by next year. You know, Think of the families that you could influence if you met with a dad that's struggling with how to be a dad or a husband that's struggling with how to be a husband and how you could speak truth into their lives and how they, they just need a friend more than a counselor. Well, Craig, what if, I, what if I just am not ready to go? What if I don't know enough? You do. You know enough to be a friend. And that's what Jesus has called us to do. You can't grow in Jesus intentionally and disregard his purpose. For, thank you for stopping that before the next part, by the way. Yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> I'm not going to dance. Uh, you can't grow in Jesus and intentionally disregard this purpose for why he redeemed you in the first place. He redeemed you to go and make disciples. And if you're not doing that, your growth will be stunted. Jesus asked a guy that question once. He said, are you ready to go? And the guy said to him, uh, I want to go. I, I, I do, I want to go. I love you. Love what you stand for. Uh, I, I, like, I like seeing the tricks that you do. You know, the, you know, oh, demon, that's cool stuff. I like that. But I'm not quite ready to take on the responsibility myself of going. In fact, let me first go home and bury my father and then I'll come and follow you. i got to live up to my responsibilities. You know what he was saying? He was saying, there's four months before the harvest. Give me a little time. And Jesus said, no one is fit when they, to follow me if they put their hand to the plow and look backwards. Get your eyes off your navel. Look up. The fields are right. Your circle is chock full of people who need you to be their friend. And when you're their friend, if you're any kind of a Christian at all, Jesus is going to bleed out of you right onto them. D.L. Moody once talked about an engraving that he bought that eventually disappointed him. He saw this engraving in a store and it pleased him very much. It was a picture of a vast dark ocean and above the torrential waters was a cross. And clinging to the cross for dear life was a broken, soaked man. And in desperation, he was clinging to the cross in order to save him. Moody loved that engraving and he he actually purchased it, but he was sorry he did later on because later he spotted another engraving. Spoiled the first one completely, he said. It was so much more lovely, so much more uh, amazing than the first. It stole his heart immediately. It was similar to first, but it was drastically different. It had the same dark ocean. It had the same desperate person. It had the same rugged cross. It had the same man clinging to the cross. But the difference was this man had an outstretched arm, and attached to his hand was another man in the water, and he was pulling him out and bringing him to the cross. Are you ready to go? The fields are white. Over the next couple of months, we're going to hear all kinds of ways to do this. Encouragement on how to do this up, down, side, side, down, up. All different ways. But my goal is to first ignite in you a passion to want to do this. I'm part of a new church plant because Carol Stream is white to harvest. I poured my life into it. You don't have to be like me. You don't have to be a pastor. All you have to do is just find one person in your circle, that you can pour into, and allow them to pour into you. The world depends on it. Let's pray. I'm grateful, Father, for this reminder from your word, such a verse that we know by heart we hear it so many times. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Uh, and, and we look at our church and we say, we're doing it as a church. We're reaching people through other churches that we partner with in Haiti and Carol Stream and missionaries we support around the world. The fields are white and we're reaching them, but the crop rots under our own two feet. So, Father, burn in us a desire, a passion to continue growing more into the image of Christ by taking the gospel to those in our circles one at a time, until the whole world knows. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.